This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. And today we're joined by Ed Moyer in New York. Good morning from London, Ed. Hi, Johnny. Thank you for having me. Of course, it's a very sober morning here for everyone in the UK and around the world following the death of the Queen. And Ed, I note that the New York Stock Exchange had a moment of silence on Thursday to mark the passing of Queen Elizabeth, and I thought that was a nice touch. Very much so. I think uh, as we begin the 10 days of mourning, all the world leaders, they're taking a moment to to honor Her Majesty. She, she was a reassuring constant throughout such rapid change, and she's reigned for longer than 85% of uh, people that have lived in your country. So I think this is going to um, have a lot of coverage. And uh, I think um, a lot of people are trying to also figure out how this will impact some of the market functioning, um, how the UK will pay for this big fiscal package that also got announced. There's a a lot that will transpire over these next several days, but most of it will be um, in honor and remembering and celebrating um, what a wonderful life she had. And obviously, the Queen had a very close relationship with those in the United States. Of course, all those U.S. presidents she met over the years, she probably knew more about economics and politics of our two countries than practically anybody else. She met everybody from uh, Churchill to uh, Eisenhower all the way to Obama. Of course, the Obamas came to uh, Buckingham Palace and they were said to be more excited meeting the Queen than anything else. It's going to be a strange period, this mourning period over the next uh, few days and weeks. But we should talk about some of the economics and uh, some of the markets news that we had over the last 48 hours, because on a normal day, things like the ECB announcing its biggest ever interest rate rise, or indeed the announcement from the new Prime Minister, Liz Truss, regarding the energy bills for households and uh, probably for small businesses as well, would have taken front pages. But uh, there was none of that. Everything was obviously focusing on the Queen. But it's worth saying that what the ECB did yesterday was pretty important. Very much so. Um, they, they they took a, a major step. They they raised rates by historic 75 basis point. And, and they also signaled that more increases over the next several meetings uh, are coming. And and this, this is showing a, a central bank that... Um, is, is very concerned about inflation. Um, when they had their updated forecasts, it's no surprise the inflation outlook went up and uh, growth forecasts uh, went down rather rather uh, significantly. Um, yet the ECB's baseline is for stagflation later this year and not a recession. Um, while a recession does remain uh, a potential uh, outcome, uh, I, I think it shows you that the, the ECB is um, hopeful that, um, that they're, they're not going to, uh, you know, trigger a, a severe recession for the eurozone. Um, but, but I think what you're going to see is the uh, market is, uh, you know, for the most part now pricing in um, a little bit more aggressive action by the ECB. And uh, what's been fascinating is just watching what has happened with the euro. And, and I think that, you know, we are back above parity, and that is significant. Um, there, there, you know, over the past week, there was calls we were going to see 95 or even lower um, on on your dollar so uh, so this is this is a big moment right now for currencies um, and and I think that what we're going to see is that there remains a lot of upside inflation risks and that could lead to more aggressive tightening uh, by the ECB it uh, is the biggest ever interest rate rise by the ECB but I think there's some eyebrow raising as to why it took so long for them to act 
as they have, because um, some people are saying, well, too little, too late. Uh, Christine Lagarde has warned that inflation, which was at 9.1% in August, was far too high and likely to remain above their 2% target for at least two years. Why have they taken such a long time to be so much more hawkish than they have been? I think what we're seeing is uh, the the ECB needed to have an assessment on the current economic environment. And what makes their job a lot more difficult is there were a lot of inflation drivers that were from the war in Ukraine that we were starting to anticipate that there was going to be possible progress in dealing with the global energy crisis. And and I think what they were hoping for was that um, that the peak of inflation um, was, was going to be a little bit sooner and that they were going to be able to get away with not having to aggressively hike. Um, um, as as their economic recoveries, you know, for the most part, have lagged. Um, so so this is this is just uh, I think you know hindsight. Every major central bank, it seems that they've acted um, a little too slowly in, in in fighting inflation, and that's because mo- mo- um, pretty much everyone got inflation wrong, and no one anticipated that uh, it was going to. Re- you know this sticky and, and I think I think that now um, you're, you're, you're going to see that um, there, there there's going to be um, a, a lot of this inflation that uh, is, is going to remain with us and, and you're probably going to see that uh, it's not just the ECB that's going to have to be more aggressive over the next several months it's probably going to be the, the rest of the advanced world meanwhile Ed on the other side of the uh, English Channel we had that announcement from new Prime Minister Liz Truss about limiting energy bill rises for all households for two years. A typical energy bill will be capped at £2,500 annually until 2024. And this huge support scheme could cost up to £150 billion or even more. Businesses are also going to get help with prices capped for six months. So looking forward... This, I think, has affected predictions as to where we are going to go with inflation in the UK. Some people are now saying it's not going to be as high as it was because we were talking about 13% and above. A lot of people are saying it's going to be pegged back now. Yeah, I think the uh, multi-billion pound package um, that will help consumers with their energy bills is is going to be rather inflationary. So, uh, you know, after, you know, that announcement, uh, uh, every economist was bumping up their uh, BOE rate hike expectations. And uh, I, I think now you're, you're going to see is there's going to be probably a much more aggressive tightening path for the, the BOE. And this is, um, I think, going to probably send uh, the key rate to 3.75% in the coming months. Meanwhile, uh, Jay Powell has been uh, talking over the last 24 hours, Ed, and it's a hawkish uh, Fed head he wants to keep hiking and uh, hike high uh, very much so he reprised his hawkish views from jackson hole um and uh, I, I think that you're you're seeing markets are you're, they're remaining consistent here they're still expecting another 75 basis point hike um later this month uh, you know i think you know a lot of the questioning from uh uh, the Cato Institute was uh, about the Fed's dual mandate. Uh, no surprises there. He defended it um, and kind of leaving uh, any changes to that on Congress's hands. Um, what was interesting was that he did um, talk about uh, central bank digital currencies. And what his, his comments kind of reminded us that uh, they're still in the exploratory stage. It, it seems that... Um, there is going to be a lot of 
work that still needs to be done. And uh, they, they, they really don't know exactly uh, what's the best way to go about it. So, so I think what you're, you're probably going to see is, um, you know, the, 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 the market is, is, was really anticipating that, okay, we got the digital yuan. We have so many other central bankers that are, you know, working their way through. Um, but I, I think that what you, you're seeing is the, the Fed, you know, they don't want to get in the way of innovation. Um, but they're, they're still trying to figure out, you know, how regulation is going to change this space and that uh, it's, it's, it's going to be really hard for them to make that digital dollar. Uh, and, and some of the reasons why is because they want to ensure privacy protection, which is not what we get with the digital yuan, and they want to avoid market chaos. And, and that is, you know, the, the, the problem that the Fed sees, um, you know, if, if you start to have everything going to a uh, central bank, digital currency that is, you know, earning you interest and, and, and uh, is, is becoming, you know, seeing, you know, a lot of people transitioning to that, um, you know, that could cause market chaos and uh, market functioning is key for the Fed. So I think the key takeaway should be that I think it's going to take even much longer. So we, you know, initially, some people were saying three to five years a year ago um, for when we'll get that, you know, digital dollar. And I, I think, you know, five years would be optimistic right now. Now, I know you love to talk cryptocurrency, Ed, and here's your opportunity because there's a very important event coming up and that's an Ethereum merge. What's happening? This is the, you know, the, the beginning of Ethereum's long awaited transition from proof of work to proof of stake. This is going to make Ethereum a lot more energy friendly. And, uh, you know, the, the merge is um, expected to happen between September 13th and 15th, um, but there's parts of it that have already kicked in. So uh, this is, this is you know, going to be the, you know, one of the key events that um, if successful, this, you know, could provide that catalyst for Ethereum to uh, really uh, make a, take a run at, at Bitcoin. Um, when, when you t- consider how this space has evolved, uh, Bitcoin dominance, you know, um, has been, you know, rather strong, but now um, it's fading. Uh, you know, Ethereum now makes up 20% of the market space and Bitcoin's uh, still around 37%. And, and you're going to see that the institutional world um, is really focused on how Ethereum is leading the blockchain race and how um, you're, you're going to see a lot, a lot of that happens when all these new projects and ways of making the world much more efficient, a lot of people are leaning towards using the Ethereum blockchain. As an investor, uh, you know, I, I think this is going to probably uh, influence some people. And, and uh, if this does go well, you could see that um, Ethereum can gain a lot of momentum here. Some traders, though, are a little skeptical. They're concerned that this could uh, trigger, you know, a sell the news type reaction. So um, I, I think you're, you're, you're going to see that... Uh, uh, Ethereum is, is is going to you know most likely uh, have a, a nice little run um, going into this merge, but you know will will it will it take out the two thousand you know dollar level and that that's the big question mark or um, are we still going to see uh, this period of consolidation and 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 somewhat retail pessimism for for crypto? So this is a, this is a big moment for for Ethereum and it, it's. Uh, it's, uh, I think, welcome news for crypto traders um, because it seems that, um, you know, crypto has really 
it, it's felt like just a, a leverage, uh, you know, trade on the NASDAQ. And now um, we, we could start to see it actually move on some of its own fundamentals. And this one um, has the potential to be something that could be positive. Now, Ed, while we've been talking, it's been announced that the Bank of England has delayed its upcoming interest rate decision by a week following the death of Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, the MPC members will now vote on Thursday, the 22nd of September. That'll be just a day after the new Chancellor, Kwasi Kwarteng, is rumoured to present his fiscal plans. So that's one aspect of the next week or so which has been changed. It's certainly going to be a very surreal week in the UK. But what should we look out from a markets and business and economics point of view? Well, I think we, we have to uh, remember that uh, EU ministers are media in Prague. We still have a global energy crisis. We still are figuring out what's the next move in the, for the, the war in Ukraine. So I think that is going to be important to pay attention to. We also have a lot of elections. Uh, Sweden's got parliamentary elections. Um, even though whoever wins, it's going to be hard for them to form a government. Russia holds regional elections, and that, that could be interesting because this is the first election uh, that Russia's seen since uh, the invasion of Ukraine. And also Japan's southern islands uh, are, are having gubernatorial elections. So, so it's, it's, a, it's a busy week for politics. Um, and, and I think, you know, for a lot of traders that, you know, we're, we're on inflation mode, UK CPI, US CPI will be coming out. Uh, I think the US inflation report is supposed to show a, a little bit of a slower pace of pricing pressures here. Um, you know, will we still have an eight, eight handle on that you know, year over year number, yeah, most likely. But um, you know, month on month is expected to show a, a little deceleration. Uh, core though is interesting, that, that might go up. So that could just add more fuel to that call that the Fed might have to be even more aggressive. And, and right now, all the other economic data supports the, the economy is not doing too bad. So um, we'll, we'll see if that remains the case. We have two Fed regional surveys and uh, the Russia uh, central bank is also expected to cut rates. So uh, definitely a busy week. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, most of the attention, though, will be on Her Majesty and, and uh, the 10 days of mourning and all the events that happen. But um, overall, though, um, it should be a busy week. Okay, Ed, thanks very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. This is the Oanda Podcast.